Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We uh, fondly perhaps call the day after Thanksgiving Black Friday. <laughs> and maybe you're looking forward to getting some good deals this year, shopping either in the store or shopping online. Um, but there is a day in American history, May 19th in 1780, that is known as Black Friday. It was uh, during the American Revolution. Uh, uh, the na name didn't come about because of some battle or some skirmish or a lot of people who were killed or something like that. In fact, it was really a result of a, of a massive wildfire in Ontario, Canada. It wasn't recorded at the time, but the scientists have decided, looking at tree rings and things like that, that this is what caused this. And on that day in May, the skies over New England and New Jersey were described in some people's diaries as black as the boots of the British soldiers. And colonists were said to uh, be scurrying for comfort either in taverns or in churches. Frank Moore, in his diary on that day, noted that 2 o'clock in the afternoon was the darkest time when a candle was needed to see anything. And there are reports that you couldn't hold paper in front of you and read it. It was so dark. It was like midnight. Even the frogs were out and croaking. In Hartford, Connecticut, the sky darkened so quickly and so ominously that uh, some of the members of the Connecticut legislature watching out the windows actually thought that this was the end of the world. And they clamored, they yelled for, uh, uh, for the, the uh, legislature to be adjourned. But the elected speaker, Colonel Abraham Davenport, calmed everyone down when he rose and said to the assembly, the day of judgment is either approaching or it is not. If it is not, there is no cause for adjournment. If it is, I choose to be found doing my duty. Therefore, I wish that candles be brought. Uh, a year later, on that same date, they observed uh, the anniversary of this with fasting and prayer. But May 19, 1780 was not the judgment day. We can be absolutely sure, however, that that judgment day is coming. Of course, there are many who scoff at that, who say that the scriptures are wrong, who say it is not coming, uh, who say that the world will not end in that way. They call it ludicrous, based on religious fanaticism, not based on science or based in the real world. But of course, 2 Peter 3 says, scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Many scoff, but the scriptures tell us that it is true. This world will not continue forever, and its fate is not in the hands of evolution or, or of the uh, gravitational forces that resulted from the Big Bang. The future of the world is in the hands of the God who created it, who sustains it, 
and who will, in time and according to his will, bring it to an end. The words of Jesus recorded by Mark for us here today describe the final days of this world. But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from the heavens and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Well, the heavenly bodies, the sun and the moon and the stars, the planets, they have been out there since the beginning of time and as long as man has looked up into the heavens, he's seen them there and they mark the passage of time and the passage, passage of seasons, day and night. Uh, they were there the day we were born. They're going to be there the day we die, if that's the way it goes for us. And so they seem very permanent. Uh, the path of the sun, the phases of the moon, uh, it just seems like it's just going to keep on going forever. We could easily be lulled into thinking that Christ's return is certainly not imminent. Maybe off a long ways in the future. But Jesus wants us to be vigilant. He wants us to be watching, to be waiting for his return. He uses the word awake, to be awake. And Jesus says that when we see these things happening, these signs of the end of the, of the world, we should know that the end is very near. It's at the very gates. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. He says it's like a master going on a journey. And uh, he leaves his servants in charge. He leaves the doorkeeper at the door. And he tells the doorkeeper, stay awake, watch for my return. And the Greek word here for stay awake doesn't just mean awake rather than sleeping. You know, make sure that when I come, you're awake. He wants more than that. He wants that doorkeeper to be watching for him, to be ready for his return, to have everything prepared. That's the connotation of that Greek word. Be watchful. Be awake. Jesus says, what I say to you, I say to all. Stay awake. When will Christ come back? Well, for some... He may come back today. He may come for you today. He may come for you tomorrow, 30 years from now. He may come back as his second coming in a week. We just don't know. We're not told. But we are told that it is soon, and that's what we can count on. So we should stay awake. This last September, on the 18th, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh, three friends were driving, uh, driving downtown after watching their, their University of Michigan Wolverines trounce the Northern Illinois Huskies 63 to 10. And when they reached a major intersection, they saw a, a red glow coming out of the window of a house. 
And they thought, well, maybe it's a fireplace, but somebody else in their car said, no, I think it's a fire. And so they drove up to the house, saw it was a house fire, went to the front door. It was unlocked. They went in. The fire was growing, and there they found uh, Michael, what's his last name, Gray, Michael Gray, unconscious on the floor, an elderly man. And the flames were already around him, but they managed, with the help of another bystander also, to get this man out of his house before the fire completely engulfed it. Michael Gray had second-degree burns, but he will recover just fine. September 18th was almost Michael Gray's last day. Jesus says, be on guard, watch, be awake. And Jude writes to Christians waiting for the coming of the Lord. He says, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. One of the little phrases that he puts in there. Now this fire that Jude warns about is not just a house fire or the fire you kindle in your fireplace. It is the fire of hell. Watch yourselves. Be on guard. Keep yourselves in the love of God as you await his coming and save others as well, Jude says. And this is the work of the body of Christ as we await for his second coming. Preach the word. Profess the faith. Strengthen and uphold one another. Be ready to give others a reason for the hope that is within you that they too might be snatched from the fire. And I should say here, give a little plug, in January we're going to, to hold a workshop, a one-day workshop entitled uh, Everyone His Witness. It's a new evangelism program. It's about five years old, I suppose, now that the Synod has put out. It's a, uh, a way that we, uh, in our normal conversations with people, can gently um, encourage them toward the gospel, toward God and his love. So I hope that everybody can attend to that. You'll hear more about that later. Stay awake. Be on guard. Be on guard against what? Well, against the devil. I, I suppose you probably guessed that. <laughs> Peter writes, Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith. And we certainly know how important it is to be vigilant, to be watchful and awake when we're driving, especially at night. Uh, maybe you've been in that kind of situation where you're thinking to yourself, boy, I'd better not fall asleep here. I'm going to really pay attention to myself because you don't want to go to sleep and drift off the road, right? But the devil would have us drift away from God's word. And I mean that. I mean drift slowly away. That would be his, his greatest tool. Uh, you know, that's just old religious stuff, you know? That Bible, you can't trust it. It was written to pull the wool over your eyes. Science is where it's at today. You can trust what people with PhDs tell you. You can see for yourself that God is not involved in the world. That if God does exist, he doesn't really care about you or about people or what's going on. I mean, look at all the terrible things that are happening. If God was a God of love, would he allow all of that? 
you have too many other things to think about. Don't trouble yourselves with going to church or with taking time for the scriptures or for prayer. It's all really unimportant. And so Satan would put us to sleep so that we don't hear God's word at all. Let it go in one ear and out the other. Just don't even listen anymore. But Paul writes in his first letter to the Thessalonians, But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. And this, this word of God that comes to us in our readings today, it comes to us on this last Sunday of the church year as we look forward to Christ's advent, celebrating his first coming and anticipating his final return. This word comes to us who know that we have fallen short of God's holy commands, who know the condemnation that comes through the law. It comes to us who have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. We know those sweet words of comfort that all of our sin has been cast on Jesus. That the Son of God humbled himself even to death on a cross so that we could live forever. Jesus died on the cross on the blackest of Black Fridays. Our Savior leaped gladly into the fires of hell to save us, to give us life. And when Christ returns, there is going to be judgment. And on that judgment day, only the perfect, only the pure, only the righteous, only the sinless are going to enter into glory. And in Christ Jesus, the perfect, pure, righteous, and sinless Lamb of God, that is who we are. Sinners made saints. The impure made pure. The unrighteous made righteous. Christ died for us, and God accepted the sacrifice of his Son for the payment of our sin. And he raised Jesus from the dead three days later. And he lives today and he is coming back. He is going to return to take us to himself. And this is the faith that has been given to us by the Holy Spirit. Faith to believe the good news of our salvation. And this is the faith the devil and the world and even our flesh would take away from us. That's what it would mean to be found sleeping when Christ returns. If we lose faith if we no longer trust wholly in Christ as our only Savior from sin. The devil and the world and even our own flesh want to lull us to sleep. The, the devil is a liar and the father of lies, but how easily our flesh believes him. How can we stand up to him? Well, not by our own strength, right? Paul tells us in Ephesians 6, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. 
Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, he finishes, to that end, keep alert. And it's the same Greek word as stay awake. And so we gather together each first day of the week, the day that our Lord was raised from the dead. And we acknowledge our sin before God and we rejoice to hear his word of comfort spoken to us as he tells us that we are forgiven by the blood of, the, of his Son, which washes us clean. And we hear the word read and preached. And we approach his table and we receive the bread and wine and with it his very body and blood. And we proclaim the death and resurrection of Jesus for the life of the world. For the life of the world. And so, we are reminded that the good news is not only for us, but for our neighbors as well. For the people that God cares about, the people that Jesus died for. We have been given that privilege, the privilege of sharing this gospel message with those around us. To snatch them out of the fire, as Jude says. We pray that the Holy Spirit will give us words to speak at the right time, in the right place, so that others also will be awakened from sleep and join us in rejoicing on the glorious day of Christ's return. Amen. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the one God our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory and majesty and dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen.